You may be seated. Well, I want to say it's an it's a habit. Good morning. Doesn't work, does it? No, it doesn't work, Chris? Okay, well, I'll say good afternoon and welcome to our SOMA service. And I want to acknowledge Benita. My name is Dwayne, and so she said she wouldn't remember it, but I'm going to remind her that I'm Dwayne Benita for the benefit of everyone. Uh, It's good to be here, and I gave an assignment to the kids that are here with their coloring papers. If you color one of those papers for me, I have a gift for you over at the table that I brought back from my uh, Christmas vacation in Loomis. And I I had to go out on a farm to get what's in that bag. And it's something special for the kids. I've eaten half the box already, so they're so good. Um, I want to share with you this afternoon, I have to say that, emphasis, Uh, This last year, with men's ministry, Jerry and I have pursued the men. And in the beginning of our year, in February, Chris, if you remember, we had a gathering at my house. You remember that? I think Dennis was there too. And Chris. And Yeah. And, of course, there's always food with men's ministry. So this last year, we did two things. One in February. We had a gathering, and we watched the movie Overcomer. Right, Chris? And then Chris came to the study of Philippians that we did this last fall. So we had two events. So I'm going to be sharing both of those areas today uh, from the book of Philippians and how they uh, interact. So we're going to look at uh, Philippians chapter 1, if you have your Bibles. Philippians 1, 1 through 8, and we're going to talk about these verses in such a way that Paul, the apostle who wrote the letter from prison, is speaking, but he's speaking 10 years later after the church began. Now, I want to give you just a little background on the book of Philippians and the church and how it began. In the book of Acts 16, verse 6 through 34, it talks about the beginning of the Philippian church. But just the prior verses before that, Paul and Silas met Timothy, and they included him in their uh, planting of the church. But how did they know that they were supposed to be in Greece where the Philippians lived? Because they were in a whole other area of, of the, a different country. And in the book of Acts, all of a sudden, Paul is there with Silas and Timothy, and all of a sudden, he has a vision of a man standing before him who is called the man from Macedonia. And the man speaks to Paul in a vision, please come help us. Please come help us. We need you. And he wasn't in Macedonia. He was in another place with Timothy and Silas. And when he realized this vision, they immediately took off and had to travel far to another country in Macedonia where Philippi is, which is named after one of the emperors. And they go to this town and they discover people 
praying in a certain area of town. They go and they meet these people. And here's this lady, Lydia, a rich woman that handles purple cloth. And they share the good news with her, who they're serving now, Jesus, the risen Savior. And Lydia comes to Jesus and her household. And then they go walking down the street, and there's this slave girl. And this slave girl, who is bound by her owners to tell fortunes to people. And she's walking near Paul and Silas and Timothy, and she's shouting out, these are the sons of the Most High. They follow their God. And they, she kept doing that and doing that and agitating them. Agi- you know when your kids come up to you and they keep saying the same thing over again and you're busy doing something and you don't hear them, but they keep after you and after you? It kind of bugs you. Well, Paul was bugged by this slave girl. And he turns around in the name of Jesus Christ, demon come out of you. And the demon came out and she was released. And then he presented the gospel and she came to Christ. Well, of course, the owners were totally upset with with Paul for doing that because they lost their money that they were getting from this slave girl that was telling fortunes. And so they took him to before the council in the jail. Not the jail, but the council. And said, they're doing the wrong thing. They're not following our way. They're doing it a different way. And so all of a sudden, the council says, okay, we'll send them to jail. So they put them in jail. And they're in jail. And they're singing praises in the jail. And all of a sudden, an earthquake comes and shakes the building and shakes the jail cell, and the doors fall off, and the chains come off. And, and Paul and Silas, and Tim, they're, they're sitting there in jail. And the jailer wakes up, and he goes, what happened? What happened? Oh, no, I'm going to die because I wasn't watching my prisoners. And all of a sudden, you hear Paul say in the background, Mr. Jailer, we're still here. We're not going anywhere. And the jailer was astounded that they were still there. And so the jailer went to Paul and them to help them in any way he could. And he wanted to know about their God. And they told him about Jesus Christ, the risen Savior, that he's, he wants to be their Savior and Lord. And the jailer became a Christian, a follower, when Paul presented the gospel, the good news. And... He invited them to their house because he wanted them to share with his household. So his whole household followed Christ. So this is the beginning of the Philippian church. Lydia, the slave girl, and the jailer. Three people plus the household. So we have a beginning of a church, but Paul and them, because they were Roman, they were secretly kicked out of town. So they didn't stay. They weren't there very long. And they went on their way to do other missionary adventures because they had adventures. So today we're going to see through the Apostle Paul, a church, Philippians or Philippi, a church that demonstrates new life in Christ. How? By understanding we have three things. We have new life in Christ Three things. 
new identity, new community, and new capacity. Okay? So again, we have new, something new, new identity, who we are, new community, how we relate in our church body, in the community, and our new capacity to love and long to be together. So let's read Philippians 1, 1 through 8 together here. I'll read it to you, and then I'll share a few the verses, how they relate to us today. So verse 1 through 8, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints of Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in every prayer for you all, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ, Jesus. For it is only right for me to feel this way about you all, because I have you in my heart, since both in my imprisonment in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers of grace with me. For God is my witness how I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. So I want to first just zero in on verses 1 and 2. Very important part. Paul always gives a salutation, a greeting. He usually says, Paul, an apostle, in the previous letters he's written to other churches. But in this one, he doesn't say apostle. He says bond servant. Bond servant is someone from the Greek word doulos that means to serve. And it was a willingness to serve the master. Whatever that took to serve the master, Paul was saying he was a bond servant of Christ and that he was serving him willingly. He would be attached to that to the master, he would have the heart of the master, and it was a choice. We have a choice to follow Christ, to be servants of Christ. And what does that look like? We talked about this in Philippians quite a bit. So this last year, the men's group, we saw a movie, and we studied the book of Philippians. I want to... uh, uh, invite Jerry. Where'd you go, Jerry? Somewhere over there. Jerry was in our Philippians study, and we've been talking and sharing about the impact that the book of Philippians and the movie Overcomer had in our men's ministry and with each other. So I want Jerry to just share briefly um, how God has spoken to him this last year about who he is. Okay, um, it started with, with the idea of who are we? Who, who am I? And Paul had changed his identity. He, he would become a Christian, but through the time that he was serving, uh, he became a servant of Christ, not an apostle. He, and when Paul talks about his identity, in chapter 3, 
like I might do or, or we might do if somebody asked who we are, he started with his birthright. He was a Hebrew. He was a Hebrew of two Hebrews. Par parents were Hebrews. He was knew the culture, the language, etc. Uh, we have uh, our family roles, our our birthright, our genealogy, where we came from, our race, if you will, our language, uh, where we grew up, all of those kind of, of, of issues, part of our identity. We have an education and a career that some of us have a career in work outside the home, some in the home, uh, but we go through an education process and sometimes that gives us documentation so that we can be a career person. We can be a pastor. You have to go to school and get trained. To be an engineer like me, you have to go and get your a degree, etc. So that's part of a, a legal identity that we have. We also, uh, there's religious identity, we're a Christian or we're a, um, a Muslim or, or whatever, but we have positions in the church. We have pastors here, we have deacons here, we have um, elders here, etc. And we have a missionary here, me. <laughs> Jan and I, in 2001, uh, left the country having sold our house and to get trained to learn Spanish and to serve uh, a Mapuche people, an indigenous people in Chile. We began by studying their worldview. What do I mean by that? A worldview is another way of, of answering the question of who they are and what they believe. So... People's worldview answers questions like, where did they come from? Who are they? Uh, is there a purpose to life? Um, is there a spiritual world? And how do we relate to that spiritual world? How, do we, how should we do that? Every culture has a worldview. Every culture has good parts and bad parts. <laughs> There's no, no, no culture in the world that is totally perfect and untainted by by sin. In 2011, by 2011, we'd planted a church, taught in dozens of churches around Chile and Bible schools. We'd written training materials. We'd produced a video in the Mapuche language, had hundreds of contacts all over Chile, and were encouraging them also to plant churches and evangelize and teach their kids to the same things. Then suddenly Jan's dad collapsed from Parkinson's disease and uh, he was unable to walk again. And we had to come back and help Lucy, that some of you know, um, take care of her dad and eventually take care of Lucy also, their aged parents. Now, my question had been since we came back, what does a missionary in a sort of forced retirement <laughs> do in Sonoma County? 
why, why was I going, did I go through all this training to be a missionary and, and uh, what, what does it look like now? Who am I now? Well, Paul answered that question in the, the, the uh, Overcomer movie posed the same question. Who are you? And Dwayne's going to talk about that in a little bit, but um, Paul answered this when he goes into um, in uh, Philippians 3. He said, all this identity, this former identity that I have, I consider trash for the sake of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. All of that identity, the titles, the certificates, the the training, all of that is trash. All he cared about was Christ and being a servant of Christ, knowing him personally, experientially, and being his servant. So what does being a servant of Christ look like for a missionary? It says, most of us, overlooked that Christ's purpose or work wasn't to save us individually. His purpose was to redeem the whole world and all of our institutions, our schools, our governments, our every bit of our school, including churches, politics, education, science, healthcare, economics, our family life, our entertainment, our arts, our music, He's about redeeming all of that, and a servant would be as well. So our evangelism and outreach needs to engage the worldview of the people that have this flawed uh, vision of who they are and who, where they live and what they think about God. It's an outreach we need to do more than just evangelize. We need to challenge this worldview of the people. We have a secular, naturalistic uh, society in which we live. And Duane will give some examples of how we are not um, training our children and what our children are starting to believe in the, when they come out of school. So... Um, all of our media, all of the, uh, the people around us in the county are teaching uh, that God is no longer relevant in this society. They've taken away his, his, his relevancy and his power and relegated him to just another belief. And so Dwayne's going to be showing us um, some of this in a little bit about, and some statistics, but I'll just leave you with some of those thoughts. Challenge the whole worldview of the people around us. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <clears throat> well, I want to share just a couple more things with you from the book of Philippians. We just looked at uh, the first two verse, verses, Paul talking about being a bondservant, but then he's talking to all the saints who are in Philippi. This is 10 years later, and it talks about also including the deacons and overseers. 
Now, how many people were at the beginning of the church at Philippi when I... No, you can speak, Andrea. Three and plus the household. So there weren't necessarily elders, overseers, or deacons there yet. But in time, Paul, in his ministry, and the Timothy, who was a supporter of the ministry, and Silas, gathered men and women together, and the church grew because of a particular thing they were doing. So he, they were all included as saints, set apart, comes from the word hagios, set apart. God's people, originally in the Old Testament, were to be set apart, the children of Israel. But they had a problem. They didn't want to obey. We kind of have a problem sometimes, too. We don't want to obey. We don't want to follow God's way sometimes because it can be challenging when you have to love somebody you don't like. But here we are in Philippians, and Paul, the Apostle Paul, is talking to his church that he loves, and he wants to give practical, loving, caring thoughts to this church. And he says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. A common salutation of Paul. Grace, when we're living in grace, it's a powerful tool that God used to bring us into his family. By grace are you saved, not of works, should any man boast. And then because of grace, we are given peace with God too. In Romans, it talks about reconciliation and the peace of God being with us. Then I want to continue in verses 3 through 6, and I want to basically share with you the essence of this section we're in. I remember growing up in Southern California. I went to a Baptist church, 150, 160 people. Uh, I started when I was right here, probably five years old. My mom took me all the time. I went continuously to church, growing up in the church, going to Sunday school, going to youth group. I, I did all those things. And when I was 15 and a half, the gospel was presented in the church, and I wrote on one of the cards, and I wanted to talk to somebody about it because it hadn't been explained to me. So two men from the church, leaders, came to my house, and I remember it vividly at 15 and a half in the living room of, of our house that I grew up in. My mom was there and the two leaders. They presented the gospel. They asked me if I wanted to invite Christ into my life. I did at that time on my knees right in my living room. I remember it well at 15 and a half. I received Christ as Savior. And so after that, I wondered, what do I do with this Bible? How do I pray? And I asked leaders, what do I do? And they said, pray and read your Bible. And that's about as far as I got with men in the church, leaders. And so I struggled because I accepted Christ as Lord. No, I didn't. If you were listening to me, I accepted Christ as Savior only. And I lived during the week with my friends and my high school buddies doing things I shouldn't be doing. But I wandered. I didn't have any direction because he was not Lord of my life. So as we look at verses 3 through 6, quickly, 
we will see how thankful Paul is in prayer. He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in every prayer for you all in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. For I am confident that of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ. How do you remember or have memories with friends? I have friends that really challenged me in my faith when I was 18 or 19 years old that I hadn't seen before. And it it woke me up to the fact that I, I needed to commit my life to Jesus, not only as Savior, but as Lord. It was in another church out of town in a different place where God was working in young people's lives. And I saw the difference in their lives. And I remember it well, how it changed me from their impact in my life, in including me, participating with me, going on mission trips, going on great times, you know, for youth. Um, Paul is thankful to God. And he remembers the Philippians, how they participated with him in the gospel. It says, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day they started until now, 10 years later. But they, they didn't see Paul all the time. How did they support him? Well, letters and communication was done by word of mouth. And people would come around to Philippi and share where Paul was on his ventures and missions and travels. And they said, does he need help? Does he need support? And sometimes he did. And they would send him money. And then they were involved in their church as it grew in the gospel, sharing the Lord with people in Philippi. And the church was growing in faith. In verses uh, uh, 5, it says participation. That word participation comes from the word koinonia. Koinonia is the word for fellowship, participation, fellowship, connecting, being together sharing together, reaching out together. It's a together word to have koinonia. It's a deeper fellowship than just sitting down for a meal. It's really participating in what God has called us to do from Matthew 28. Jesus said, go and make disciples, baptizing him in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and teaching them all that I've given you. We are commissioned together to support the Lord and be his servant. And then verse 6 is a great, confident Paul sharing with Philippi. Verse 6 says, For I am confident of this very thing. Confidence is important in this verse. That he, God, who began a good work in you, will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul is confident, but at the same time, I didn't realize this verse gave me my walk with the Lord. Three, here we go again, three. So let's begin with our good work. When you came to Christ, God was working, drawing you in faith. And as you know him, 
He, he begins to work in you. That's salvation, correct? Your beginning is salvation. But then we come to the progress, the process, sanctification. Because it says after that, he will perfect in you. He will perfect you in the process of sanctification, in growth. When you hear Bible stories, I hope it helps you to grow. I remember being in children's class with many of you, and we told the stories, and we shared God's Word, and you know them. When I was growing up, I knew all the stories, but I didn't live the life. I was going to church on Sunday, but I wasn't living it during the week because he wasn't Lord, and I wasn't serving him. I was serving me. So we need to serve him and share him. And the third part of that is until the day of Christ means when Christ comes, we will be glorified when, excuse me, when he shows up or when he calls us. It's called glorification, being in the presence of God. We are glorified in new bodies, new minds, new situation, totally glorified with Christ. So we have new identity, followers of Christ, his servants, saints. Then we have new community, which is participation in the gospel. And we are now seeing in number three, new capacity, which is verse seven and eight. And it says in verses seven and eight, for it is only right for me to feel this way about you all because I have you in my heart since both in my imprisonment and defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are partakers of grace with me. For God is my witness, how I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment. I was going to show you the overcomer clip, but I'm not going to do that because I want to share with you uh, some other things that I've discovered about our culture and our youth, because I'm concerned for youth. I was once there, a long time ago. I know, Calvin. Don't say it. Okay. But I've worked with youth. I've been in you know, youth ministry. So I've always had a heart, because I know where I've been is not where I want to see young people go. So in these verses, we see Paul talking about, I have you in my heart. And when he talks about having you in my heart, he's taught, the idea of that day was, this is the center of thought and feeling. Paul's heart was for his church, for the body of Christ to continue growing and moving and growing and moving out beyond its walls. And he, he understood because he was in prison, he could still write to them and share what God was doing in his life and remembering what he had done with them when they started. So why he has a heart is because 
what did the Philippians do? They supported him. They were concerned for him, wondering where he was. And they were faithful in sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, where they were. In verse 8, it says, For my God is my witness, how I long for you all. Another word, Paul longed with the affection of Christ. Now, that word affection comes from another Greek word that shares a total affection of all your organs, all your being, in a sense that Christ is longing for you all. He has the affection for you all. And Paul, in the sharing the mind of Christ and wanting to, to know Christ and follow Christ, he had that affection for Philippi, the church, the Philippians. And he, he longed to be with them, but he was in prison. And yet he was sharing the gospel in prison. <clears throat> so, again, we have uh, the scriptures that request us to participate in the gospel. I shared Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, and that's the Great Commission. Then we see in 1 Peter 2, 2, it says... Like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. So it, we long for the word because it causes growth. But how can we grow? We need each other. So in 2 Timothy 2.2, one of my favorite verses, it says, The things which you have heard from me... In the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others. If you understand that verse, it is a verse of discipling, mentoring, and there are actually four generations within that one verse. Discipleship is growth, the process of sharing, of uh, entrusting to faithful men, to share that, I, I need a faithful man. And I've been meeting with somebody for 12, 13 years now every Saturday because I need someone. I need to be challenged in my faith, in my relationships, in, in my marriage, in my kids, in everything I do. I need help and to be challenged in the Lord, and someone does that for me. And I challenge you to find someone to challenge you, to participate with you. It says that the older men should be teaching the younger men. And there's a few older men here I can see already that can participate in not only sharing the gospel, but challenging men to be faithful in their walk. <clears throat> I want to share with you, because I'm concerned about youth, a Barna study. Now, Barna is a research group, but they're Christian-oriented, and they do a lot of good studies. And here's one that was given uh, to a youth ministry called Maven. And Maven's uh, three ideas about how they work with youth is know truth, pursue goodness, and create beauty. Kind of interesting. So the, the leader of Maven says this. 
We are losing our next generation. We are losing the next generation. The Barna Group's groundbreaking research on Generation Z. Now, I didn't realize who Generation Z is, but some of you are Generation Z, born between 1999 and 2015. And it paints a bleak picture, this research. I'm going to give you uh, all that he says. There's a lot of information. If you grab onto one or two, you'll be astounded. Only in this group of Generation Z, only 34% believe lying is wrong. Only 29% believe abortion is wrong. Only 21% believe sex before marriage is wrong. Only 20% believe homosexual behavior is wrong. Only 38% believe marriage should be a lifelong commitment between a man and a woman. The percentage of Gen Zers who identify as atheists is double that of our general population. Adult population, 6% of our society are, are atheists. 13% of the Gen Zers identify as atheists. 62% believe many religions can lead to eternal life and that there is not one true religion. 62%. 49% think the church is anti-science. Only 20% say attending church is very important to them. Only 4% have a biblical world view. Gen Z is the first truly post-Christian generation. The result? The church dropout rate among 18 to 25-year-olds has increased from 59% to 64% in the past decade. Our youth are walking away, and the data tells us now more likely that they will, won't ever come back. But pause a moment. Answer this question. What's your response to the situation? Is it frustration, desperation, despair? If your thoughts turn negative, stop yourself right now. Instead, let's remind one another that we serve the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. The same Jesus who conquered sin and death is still on the move. He promised us that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, Matthew 16, 18. And he's not done with Gen Z. So, for followers of Christ, despair is not an op never an option. Only hope is. It's important that we build relationships with our kids, our grandkids, our friends, so that we can be a hope in the midst of despair. Because I'm meeting more people in this last year that are hopeless. They have no, nothing to stand on, to believe in. And we have the hope of Jesus Christ, who, the risen Savior, we're not lost. But we have a society, a youth, that are, are being lost, not coming back to the church. Paul is praying in joy for the Philippian church to continue in sharing the gospel, participating in, 
it says partakers of grace. We need to be partakers together. Uh, I want to say hi to my sister and to my cousin. I asked them to watch. My sister's in San Juan Capistrano. My cousin's in Missouri. And we've been sharing for the last year. I want to share with you my cousin who's had a struggle in life. At 80 years old, he was at our house for a year. He had an operation. He was the first to have a heart operation breaking his chest at eight years old. And he's continued to live. He's four years younger than me, so he's 68 years old. But he's had difficulty and trauma, and he's felt abandoned from his parents. And all kinds of things in his life have caused him to be a drinker. And he goes to AA. And so I found a Celebrate Recovery for him. And I've, we've been talking about going to church, and he's gone back to church. I've been praying for him. I want you to be praying for Charles Gray, my cousin, because he needs our support in prayer. And we, I told him we're, read, we're studying the book of Philippians. So he started reading, and he, he read it and shared with me, Dwayne, I need to make some changes. Philippians is convicting me to get my life right before the Lord. So God is working even 1,600 miles away. Thank you. Pray for him. Pray for my uh, cousin, Maggie. I just found out she had a lump removed. They don't know if it's cancer. I just found out this two days ago. I didn't know. I'm going to pray for Maggie, my cousin, my my cousin's wife. Pray Pray with joy. Pray with hope. Pray for the body of Christ to reach out and share the gospel. This next year, in my conclusion... I want to offer a challenge for you and me to discover more ways to participate in the gospel and also participate in mentoring and discipling, whether it's your kids or sons or friends. We need that. Discipling in the Lord. Men's ministry this next year, we're going to gather and we're going to talk about these ideas how we can participate in the gospel with some tools, how we can mentor and challenge each other. I'm looking forward to this next year of growth. And I hope you are too, with the hope, not the despair, that God is going to work in people's lives and we're going to stand for Christ because we have the hope in him. So thank you for listening and hearing Philippians, and how Paul positively commends his church. I commend you for for hearing the good news, the word. Now we need to put it into practice. We need to live it, apply it, and do it. Let's uh, close in prayer, and then we'll finish with some worship in honoring him, the Lord, the King of Kings. Let's pray. Lord, we give thanks for this day for the time we can spend together honoring you, worshiping you, serving you, being challenged to stand up for you because our culture is taking young people away. It's taking belief in you away. And we need to hold the gospel before people in hope that they would receive them and their household, that the body of Christ would grow and we would serve with our gifts and opportunities 
that we have to share with one another. Bless each one, guide each one tonight. And this next year, we pray for your guidance, for your mercy, your love to overwhelm us because we need your love. We can't manufacture it. By the Holy Spirit, empower us. Thank you for what you're doing and going to be doing this next year. And, and work, in our, work in each of our lives for growth. Thank you in Jesus' name. And we give you the glory. Amen.